COVID-19 Seattle, I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. There is this new poll out from ABC News and Washington Post, and it shows about one in four Americans say they are unlikely to be vaccinated against the coronavirus whenever that vaccine becomes available. 27% unlikely. The numbers rise, apparently, if you are conservative. 45% of strong conservatives, about 4 in 10 Republicans, and nearly as many evangelical Christians say they are unlikely to get vaccinated, even if it's free. Dave, why is that? (laughs) Well, because people have a distrust in vaccinations. And I imagine that for someone who distrusts vaccinations have been around for a long time, their level of trust is especially low when it comes to vaccines that have been prepared in a hurry, which this one uh, will be. Now, the problem with that is, of course, if what you're trying to achieve is some sort of uh, is sufficient immunity, I think the vaccination rate has to be something like 60 percent, right? Mm-hmm. Or above so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. For it to, for it to provide um, essentially a normal operating environment for the society. Now, uh, over time, if people continue to get sick and recover, then that kind of immunity will develop naturally. But um, we can only guess at how much pain there will be along the way if we take that route. Some of these other findings from this poll are, are, are fascinating. So 90% of Democratic men say they are definitely going to get the vaccine. So 80% of Democrats overall say that they're going mm-hmm. to get vaccinated whenever it becomes available. Um, Dave, you, you've been covering the news a lot longer than I have. When, when did this whole sort of partisanship happen with the vaccine debate? Is this all? Well, it's been been around a while. I don't know whether it's been a partisan divide, but it certainly was a lifestyle Mm -hmm. divide. People who decided they didn't want any kind of uh, artificial immunity provided to their children. And also because of the the disastrous rollout of the swine flu epidemic back Mm -hmm. whenever that was, the the vaccinations uh, themselves had not been tested and uh, they did make some children sick. There's been a long time concern that there is a connection between vaccines and autism because of this since debunked research study that was done purporting to show uh, a link. Um, when you have something like autism, which doesn't have an easy explanation, sometimes people perhaps uh, will be overzealous about the precautions they take to make sure it doesn't happen to their child. So uh, I think that explains that. I mean, there have certainly been there have been people who don't like the you know the routine whooping cough vaccinations mm-hmm. that uh, that kids get. And as long as it's a relatively small number, then it's not a problem. But of course, if more and more people refuse to get the vaccinations, then you'll have a, a lot more children dying as they used to do. So uh, it does go back a long way, and it's very difficult in a democratic society to order people to take a shot. It's mm-hmm. pretty invasive. Yeah. For someone to stick a needle into your arm or into your your kid's arm, and so um, I think people will always uh, have to enjoy the right to to refuse, and that just means the rest of us have to protect ourselves from uh, from being infected by others who choose not to get vaccinated. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I've heard the fastest that we've developed a vaccine against some sort of virus is something like four to five years. Is that right, Dave? Usually well, they, the, the vaccines the, the vaccines have been developed. I mean, they've right. got formulas out there. It's the testing that takes approved. so long. Yeah. And the problem with that is, I mean, what I was hearing from Dr. Fauci back when we were hearing from him on a daily basis was that um, it would take a year and a half 
at the earliest right. before you could get something uh, that was considered safe and effective for this. One of the holdups, though, is because th- they can easily test the safety phase, right? So they just test it. They're not trying to see if it makes you immune or not, just making sure that there are no horrible side effects. So they give you low doses and they, they, uh, they check and they come to a conclusion. The difficult part is testing whether it's effective because what you have to do is select a representative cohort administer the vaccine, and then wait Mm -hmm. and see over time how many of them become infected and how many don't. What you're not allowed to do, from what I understand, is purposely expose them to the virus to speed up the process. You could do it that way, right? You could give people the vaccine and then deliberately share micro droplets of the coronavirus with them and see how many actually come down with an infection. But it's sometimes tough to get volunteers who will do that, especially in the populations, the older populations, the uh, populations with uh, underlying conditions that are most at risk. So that's the problem. You have to wait a long time Mm -hmm. for that group of people to see whether they get infected or not. Yeah, I I would also think some people are hesitant because... We don't know about any long-term effects, too. I mean, when you have clinical trials, you want to see how things play out over years and years. President Trump has unveiled Operation Warp Speed, where he wants to have a vaccine developed by the end of this year, by by 2020. And there has been some, at least, signs of hope that 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 could happen. So my question, Dave, I mean, if if we get a, a vaccine developed in this in this record time within months of of a new of a novel coronavirus showing up, um, does that mean that you're going to get a vaccine? Do you feel safe getting a vaccine? Well, I feel safe getting the flu vaccine because I get it every year. Right, but that's been around for so long. Exactly. We know about about that vaccine. Yeah. If it's a new virus and they, well, they'd have to be honest about it, right? They would have to say, this will not harm you, but we don't know if it will protect you. If they can assure me that it won't harm me, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like getting a, a saline solution or something. That's fine. So my blood is watered down by uh, a, a few uh, milliliters. Um, I don't have a problem with that. If it turns out that there are substantial side effects, though, then, of course, you have to think twice. You have to decide if the risk of getting the virus is enough for you to endure the risk of the side effects. And that's true of any drug, right? Mm-hmm. I, take a, I take a cholesterol pill like a lot of people do. The side effects can be uh, headaches which I had in the first month or so, but you get used to it. And so now uh, it's fine. So you're always going to weigh side effects. I'm not, uh, I'm not expecting a drug to have zero side effects, but uh, yeah, if they can assure me that they've gone through the safety testing and it's safe, it's not going to, it's not going to kill you or debilitate you. Uh, sure. I take it. But would I still walk around a lot of unmasked people? Probably not until I'm persuaded that it's effective. You also grew up in uh <laughs> In an era where experimental drugs were going on a lot, I bet, Dave. So I bet you're 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 your child of the you know the baby boomer generation, right? Yeah. So you're uh you know you're you're okay with experimental drugs, right? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm one of those who doesn't like. I won't even take aspirin unless I really have okay. to. I won't take aspirin for a headache because I I frankly I don't like pills. Uh, I certainly don't trust hallucinogenic drugs. I've never taken any of those. I don't like the idea of losing control. That's why I'm an anchor man, Aaron. I I love to be in control. I see. Okay. So, Dave, you and I had a conversation this morning about whether to even put out an episode today in light of the way protests in Washington state and across the country developed overnight. 
But I do want to address the story still and, and get your take on it, because I think what's happening in some ways right now is heightened by the global pandemic, the way that people are protesting in spite of it. Well, it shows that a lot of people feel strongly about this, that they're willing to risk getting infected, which I think is a genuine risk given the size of the crowds that are gathering now every day and are gathering for hours. So that is a, a classic scenario for uh, an infection. So if people feel deeply enough about that to do this, I think that has to be has to be taken seriously. And there's there's no uh, question in my mind that the depth of feeling is there. You've been in those demonstrations, so yeah. I think you've witnessed that firsthand, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. And every time one of these protests goes on, the city leaders, the state leaders around Washington have said, do so, but keep in mind that we still do have this pandemic going on. There is no vaccine available, as we've just discussed. Um, so if you are going to go out and be in a big crowd, do your best to stay six feet away. That message is getting lost right now. Well, I think, it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not going to happen, and I think they, they know that. Um, so, I mean, the now what we have to wait and see is if cases spike in, in, in light of all this. Uh, I think the only, well... The only positive that could happen if we do see a spike is that the majority of the people that are out there are younger. They are in their late teens and 20s for the most part. Uh, And what we know about this virus is for the most part, people in that age group um, have better odds of surviving and not getting hospitalized. Right. But it also means after they leave the demonstration, they're out spreading it in the community, which you can do without showing symptoms. To me, the bigger concern is that there's going to be a tragedy here because Mm -hmm. the passions are running so deep and the police are not going to be taking a knee forever. They're going to protect the buildings. Uh, They should protect the buildings because those are people's jobs represented by those buildings. And so they're they're not going to allow any more burning and looting. And if it continues, then you're going to see more police brought in. You're going to see more National Guard uh, brought in. And I think the crowd has to pivot to solutions. If you're going to demonstrate over history, whether it's what happened to George Floyd or whether it's the history of slavery in America, that history is not going to change. It's already happened. It's in the books. You have to decide what you want to do next. And that's what I haven't heard yet. I haven't heard people propose solutions. There are things you can do. Police departments need to hire more African-American police officers. Um, uh, Citizens, when they're deciding to call 911, have to ask themselves, okay, is the problem I'm calling about something that requires a response from a person trained or ready to use deadly force? Uh, Ask yourself that. Is it worth calling the cops when you have a counterfeit? possibly a counterfeit bill passed by somebody who's a regular customer and who you know, which was the case in the the, uh, George Floyd incident. We have to have discussions like that. Uh, Otherwise, I think we're going to have a bad outcome. I just hope that the cooler heads in those crowds uh, will prevail because once you get to the point that we got to, I remember very well, Back in uh, in 1970, where you had the National Guard surrounding protesters and somebody pulls a trigger at the wrong time, you don't recover from that very quickly. <laughs> 